I'm Mark Vinette, and this is The Story of America. Let's continue our deep dive into the life and deeds of seafarer and navigator Christopher Columbus. In this episode, we travel to where Christopher Columbus first landed in 1492. Join me on an exciting historical journey to the tropical island paradise of the Bahamas. Here is a short synopsis of the Columbus story. Legendary explorer Christopher Columbus was born in 1451 in the Italian sea town of Genoa and began sailing as a teenager and eventually became an experienced cartographer, seafarer, and navigator. Columbus believed that sailing west would be a faster way to get to the lucrative Asian trade markets. Spain's King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella were intrigued with the idea and gave Columbus the financing for the voyage. In August of 1492, Columbus set sail across the Atlantic Ocean. After two months, he and his crew arrived in the present-day Bahamas, convinced this was India. They were greeted by the native population and Columbus initiated trading. Between 1492 and 1504, he made a total of four voyages across the Atlantic. Although he never reached mainland North America, his voyages quickly led to the opening up of the continent to European colonization. Sailing for God, gold, and glory, this controversial titan of history has entered the pantheon of humans who changed the course of world history. Although the legendary explorer never reached mainland North America, his voyages had profound global consequences and quickly led to the opening up of the continent to massive changes and European colonization. On the morning of October 12, 1492, Christopher Columbus made his first landing in the New World on an island in the Bahamas, not far from mainland North America. The island was then inhabited by the Taino Amerindians, also known as the Lucayan. The local peoples referred to the island as Guanahani. Before an audience of uncomprehending islanders and the Spanish landing party, Columbus claimed that, by right of conquest, the island now belonged to Spain and renamed it San Salvador, meaning Holy Savior. The location of this island is still in dispute. However, many believe it to be the small island the British once called Watling Island, renamed San Salvador in 1926 to commemorate the name given by Columbus to his first landfall in the New World. San Salvador is only 60 square miles, with a population of about 500 souls. The chief occupations of the inhabitants are tourism, farming, and fishing. Some researchers doubted that Watling was an accurate match to Columbus's description, and in the mid-1980s they proposed a smaller island, Samana Cay, as the original landing point. Both of these small islands are part of the Bahama Archipelago. An archipelago, by the way, is a group of many islands in a large body of water. The islands of the Bahamas comprise an archipelago extending for about 750 miles, or 1,200 kilometers, from Florida to Cuba. The Bahamas are a part of the West Indies and are considered Caribbean islands, but not part of the Antilles. Okay, let's sort this out. I'm sure you've often heard and been confused by the terms West Indies, Caribbean, and Antilles. Well, let's try and clarify these words. West Indies consists of an archipelago separating the Caribbean Sea from the Atlantic Ocean. Visited and called the Indies by Columbus, it was subsequently designated the West Indies to distinguish it from the East Indies archipelago in the South Pacific. 
The West Indies comprises three main island chains that extend in a roughly crescent shape from the eastern tip of the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico and southeastern Florida in the United States to the northern coast of South America. The West Indies lies between the Atlantic Ocean and the Caribbean Sea, with a population of about 35 million. Antilles is a term applied to the whole of the West Indies, except the Bahamas. The Antilles separates the Caribbean Sea from the Atlantic Ocean and is divided into the Greater Antilles, which lie in the center to the north, and the Lesser Antilles to the southeast. The Caribbean Sea is about 1,500 miles long east and west and between 490 miles wide. As is well known, the Caribbean Basin is noted for its mild tropical climate. Navigation is open and clear, making the Caribbean a major trade route for Latin and North American countries. The word Caribbean is derived from the word Carib, a tribe of Native Americans who inhabited the area when Spanish explorers arrived in the 15th century. The Carib people occupied various regions of the West Indies, Central and South America. The islands of the Bahamas, at the northernmost part of the West Indies where Columbus made his first landfall, comprise an archipelago of about 700 islands and islets, which are very small islands, and nearly 2,400 keys, which are small, low islands composed largely of coral or sand. The Bahamas extend for about 750 miles, or 1,200 kilometers, from a point southeast of Palm Beach, Florida, to a point off the eastern tip of Cuba, and west of the British dependency of the Turks and Caicos Islands. The Bahamas, officially known as the Commonwealth of the Bahamas, is an independent nation and a member of the British Commonwealth of Nations. Only about 40 of its 700 islands are inhabited. New Providence is economically the most important of the group, and Nassau, on New Providence Island, is the largest city of the country. Located on Grand Bahama Island, Freeport is the only other large town, with a population of 27,000. The other chief islands, all of which are low-lying, include San Salvador, or Watling, and the Biminis, the westernmost of the group, situated only 60 miles east of Miami. The name Bahamas may derive from the Spanish for shallow sea, Bayamar, or the Lucayan word for Grand Bahama Island, Bahama, meaning large upper middle land. The Bahamas' first pre-Columbian inhabitants were the Taino Amerindians from both northwestern Hispaniola and northeastern Cuba. They moved into the southern Bahamas about the 7th century AD and became the Lucayans. They appear to have settled the entire archipelago by the 1100s. There may have been as many as 40,000 Lucayans living in the Bahamas when Columbus arrived. The Bahamian Lucayans were deported to Hispaniola as coerced workers, and within two decades, Taino societies ceased to exist as a separate population due to warfare, disease, forced labor, emigration, and outmarriage. After the Lucayans disappeared, the Bohemian islands were deserted until the arrival of the first permanent European inhabitants, Puritan settlers from the English colony of Bermuda around 1649. Known as the Eleutherian adventurers, these people established settlements on the island now called Eleuthera, which in Greek means place of freedom. Columbus never reached mainland North America, but legends suggest that when exploring the waterways between the Bohemian islands, he and his crew may have caught a far-off glimpse of the Florida coast. Now, 
let's wrap up our deep dive into the life, deeds, and legacy of Christopher Columbus. All you lovers of history have surely encountered the term historiography and wondered about its meaning. Historiography is the study of the methods of historians in developing history as an academic discipline, and by extension, is any body of historical work on a particular subject. The historiography of a specific topic covers how scholars have studied that topic using particular sources, techniques, and theoretical approaches. The historiography of Christopher Columbus has evolved over time and is a fascinating subject. The Columbus of today is definitely not the Columbus of past generations. His reputation has waxed and waned over the past five centuries. Here are a few comments from members of our audience about the Italian explorer, starting with A.R. from Ohio, who shares the following. For decades now, Christopher Columbus has been under attack. I am a proud Italian-American who sees things differently. I recommend to your audience the book, the Enemies of Christopher Columbus by Thomas A. Bowden, which presents a spirited defense of the explorer's actions. Here is one of our wonderful Patreon members, Gary from Israel. I recently heard about your podcast from my friend. Excellent work. I decided to follow the YouTube episodes for the maps and pictures. It took me a few days, and I have now caught up to the most recent releases about Christopher Columbus. I want to comment about his failure to recognize his discoveries for a European, as a separate continent, and to continue to his death to contend that he was in fact on islands off the coast of India. Surely, the distance that he calculated to get to India traveling westward was much smaller than in reality. It was smaller than what would have been considered realistic by geographers of the time. I'm sorry that I am not able to give you a reference for this, but in one book that I read, the author stated that he used this deflated distance to convince Ferdinand and Isabella of the feasibility of the voyage. The author also claimed that the contract between Columbus and the Spanish monarch stated that he would be made governor of any unclaimed Indian Ocean islands that he found. So, his contention was financially motivated. Well, that's my historic contribution. I'm really enjoying the series so far, and I will contribute monetarily via Patreon. Keep up the good work. Listener SFZ from Cornwall, England, refers to the biography of Christopher Columbus presented in this series and asks, Mr. Vinette, was Columbus really born in Genoa, Italy? Although scholars from all over the world agree that Columbus was Genoese, alternative origin theories are prevalent with hypotheses that he actually originated from a variety of places, including Catalan Spain, Greece, Portugal, Sardinia, Poland, Corsica, Scotland, and Norway. It seems everyone wants a piece of the explorer. I.F., who listens on Spotify, sent me this text. Columbus claimed that, by right of conquest, the first island he landed on now belonged to Spain. What did he mean by the term right of conquest? Good question, I.F. The right of conquest is a right of ownership to land after immediate possession via force of arms and was used to justify conquests of newly explored lands during the European colonial era. It was recognized as a principle of international law that gradually deteriorated in significance until its prescription in the aftermath of World War II. From Dallas, Texas, SD proclaims, I listened to the bio episode about Christopher Columbus. I like the fact that it only took 10 minutes to get the facts. 
Great job and continued success. J.F., who listens on Overcast, states, I recently enjoyed watching the 1980s Christopher Columbus miniseries with Gabriel Byrne, who portrays a sympathetic, albeit flawed, impression of the man. I highly doubt that such a cinematic representation could be put forth in our modern times of revisionist history, political correctness, wokeism, and cancel culture. Listener M.K. believes the following. Christopher Columbus is a carrier of Western civilization and should be honored, for in so doing, we honor Western civilization. But the critics do not want to bestow such honor. They instead disparage the man and charge that his main legacy is death and destruction, and routinely vilify him as a symbol of slavery and genocide. The attacks on Columbus are ominous, because the actual target is Western civilization. Whatever the problems it brought, Western culture also brought enormous, undreamed-of benefits. It was Columbus's discovery for Western Europe that led to the influx of ideas and people on which the USA, Canada, and Mexico were founded, and on which they still rest. The opening of the New World brought the ideas and achievements of Aristotle, Galileo, Shakespeare, Newton, and the thousands of men and women thinkers, writers, entrepreneurs, and inventors who followed. A.N. from the Dominican Republic comments, Columbus has become a polarizing figure and symbol. Without a doubt, Columbus was a great navigator. The same, however, cannot be said about his administrative skills. Like him or not, Columbus was the first non-Amerindian to explore the New World with resulting profound consequences. The subsequent Columbian exchange was the greatest cultural give-and-take in history. The attacks on Columbus are not a criticism of the man but part of an unfair, misleading, and sometimes hysterical assault on Occidental culture. SRR from Victoria, Australia surmises, I am an American-Australian history buff with a penchant for podcasts. I recently heard you during the crossover event with Mike Corradi. I really enjoyed that particular episode about Christopher Columbus. There's always something to learn, and learn I did. Good luck with your podcast over the next few months. I have subscribed, and I'm looking forward to learning more. And now, a few comments, considerations, and reviews about this series, starting with listener JG, who writes, Enjoying your podcast very much, along with my daughter. Thank you for sharing. Very informative. Your podcast has started a great conversation with my daughter. Viewer WM from Connecticut, who watches the videocast version of this series, shares the following. This is a really cool podcast, Mark. I never knew all of this. I found it to be really fascinating in particular. Never knew that Vikings contributed so much to the English. I subscribe to the podcast through YouTube, so I'm definitely excited to follow the series as it continues. Here is an email from LM of Southern California. Hi, Mark. Listening to your latest episode right now. My compliments for the recording quality. You have a very good history category, and I'm sure you'll never run out of topics. DD shared, Greetings from Argentina. Loved your podcast. I'm a real history lover, and that's for sure. I'd really love to visit the U.S. One of these days, I'll be visiting the States. SM from Pennsylvania wrote, What an ambitious undertaking. Such a sweeping general history of the continent is fascinating. Best wishes. RT on Facebook says, My wife and I looked at your show. We thought it was good quality and interesting and definitely something that people need to see more of. DW from Virginia, USA graciously complimented. 
I listened to a couple of episodes today, enjoyed your podcast very much, and have subscribed. Nice job. BRP of Washington State kindly quoted on Facebook this statement of mine from my introduction episode. I enjoy traveling the world, but North America holds a special place in my heart, mind, and soul. He added that he was on my sixth episode and that he was loving it. He then finished his post with these generous words. Great topics, great narration, and great voice too. From New Zealand, UB proclaims, As a PayPal donor to your podcast, I wish to thank you for the ebook gift of your novel, The Maesta Panels. So far, so good. I'm reading it aloud to my wife. She says I am her favorite audiobook device. Here is a Podchaser five-star review. Concise, well-researched, professional presentation. OL posted this very nice review on Apple Podcasts. What a great show. Even though they're only 10 minutes long, each episode is packed with information because Mark gets right to the point, and his clear presentation makes the material very approachable. I've listened to all the episodes, and I'm looking forward to the next ones. Here is another five-star review from OM. No nonsense and minimal commentary. Mostly facts and lots of term defining, but I'm all for it. Well done and well presented, and gives a great skeleton for further knowledge and investigation. Strong and solid. Keep it up. Let's welcome our newest supporters, Alan, Gary, Jackie, Naheem, and Cindy, who have recently joined our growing community on Patreon. Did you know that we presently have listeners in 81 countries? Wow! And are climbing the ranking charts of many nations, including the United States, Portugal, New Zealand, Sweden, Great Britain, Spain, Israel, Netherlands, Switzerland, South Africa, and Australia. The Listen Notes podcatcher scores my show as one of the top 10% most popular podcasts globally. That's just wonderful. It's an honor and privilege to share this series with you folks. Thanks for all the good questions, lovely feedback, and the multitude of thumbs up. Next time, we examine one of the major consequences of Columbus's daring expedition, the Treaty of Tordesillas. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you're enjoying the story. Music